0: I didn't realize how much I would end up parenting like my parents, especially in the area of punishment. I have two daughters, two different personalities. And so there was two different ways of punishing them. What worked with the one wouldn't work with the other. What was quite interesting to me, though, is that a punishment that my parents used, I ended up using on my daughters And it was punishment by removal. I remember I was probably about 11, 10, 11 years old, and I got my first motorcycle. And I don't remember what I did wrong, but I did something wrong, and it irritated my father. So he did not allow me to ride the motorcycle for like two weeks. I was so upset. Um, I didn't even want to talk to him. I, I was... So, and it worked. By taking away this stimulus, it was a way of altering my behavior. This What I wanted was the motorcycle. What he wanted was me to behave. That's what he got. I used the same thing with my daughters. I would take away a desirable stimulus, a object, anything like that that would be something that they really valued and would miss. By removing that, It was a way of trying to correct their behavior. But another form of punishment by renewal was by renewing my daughters from a situation. Especially when they were young, if they started acting up, especially with each other, I, I would say, okay, time out. You guys, time out. And I would put them in different places. Removing them from each other. As they got older, timeout doesn't work. So instead, went to what many parents do, is I grounded them, kept them away from their friends, kept them from going out, and it worked. Removal by punishment works. You take away something that people value, that gives them pleasure, you take it away, and in return, they will alter their behavior so they will have that object back and they can keep that object. The same form of punishment occurs in prison throughout our nation. It's when you have inmates in a one setting where individuals are so diverse as far as what their punishment was. I mean, not their punishment, their crime was so diverse to maintain some kind of order, maintain, maintain some kind of equilibrium and not allow chaos to take over. It's really a challenge, I would imagine. And so one of the ways that you could maintain order is by punishing the inmates. And one of the most effective ways of punishing them is by removing items that they enjoy. For example, taking away a TV, taking away electronic devices, taking away the pleasure of going to the library, taking away rec time. All of this is removing something from an individual so that they will modify their behavior. But there are times when that punishment or the the misdeed demands more than just removing the object. So what ends up happening instead is they basically do a form of grounding them or time out. They put them in solitary confinement. They remove that one inmate from the general population along with all the privileges that they would normally have. And while they're in solitary confinement, they can slowly gain back some of those privileges. Well, in solitary confinement, they may end up getting a piece of paper and a pencil. They may end up having being able to have a book. They slowly get this back, and so they transition them from this solitary environment to eventually the goal is back in general population. However, there are times when it doesn't work that you can't bring them back you can't transition them from solitary back into general general pop you can't and one individual that that was true of was Thomas Silverstein Thomas Silverstein was a violent white supremacist once he got into prison before he wasn't but once he was in he joined the Aryan Brotherhood but the reason why Thomas Silverstein ended up in prison, it was more than just punishment by removal. It was also for the safety of other inmates and correction officers. Thomas Silverstein is believed to have been the one individual who was held in isolation longer than any other American inmate in a federal prison. It was more than half of his lifetime Thomas Silverstein was in solitary confinement for 36 years until his health deteriorated to the point where he needed heart surgery, winded up in the hospital, never recovered from that surgery, and died at the age of 67 in 2019, just recently. The reason why Thomas Silverstein ended up in federal, federal prison to begin with was that he was incarcerated in 1975 for armed robbery. He, his uncle, another relative, they, would, they committed these robberies, finally caught him. And if you look at this picture, you can see uh, an image of when he was first arrested and then an image very close to the time that he died. That would have been enough. But once he was in prison, the influence, the effect of prison on his life was dramatic. And while he was there, he ended up killing two fellow inmates and one guard. And because of that, he was given three consecutive life terms because back then, Federal prison, uh, federal offenses did not have the death penalty. So the most they could do is give him life. He had three consecutive lives, and because he killed the two other inmates and a guard in a vicious way, I mean, he, he stabbed them multiple times, like above 30 times. Because of that, he was placed into light, isolation. They moved him from place to place in federal prison, but each time he ended up in federal solitary confinement until he ended up in Florence, Colorado, Supermax. He entered in 2005. A typical day for him was 23 hours straight in his room. The only time he saw another person was mealtime or when he was taken for health checks, things like that. What was fascinating about this is anytime they moved him to, to the, either a, the medical hospital there in the prison or whatever was required, he, at a minimum, had eight guards with him. You're going to see some images as they pop up on the screen. The first one you're going to see is the view from Thomas Silverstein's bed. One of the things that he picked up was drawing while he was in prison. And you can see his artwork. He drew a picture of his cell. The first one you're looking at right now is from his bed. Now this one you're seeing is his rendition of his cell from the door. That's where he spent 23 hours a day of his time. One hour a day, however, he was allowed to exercise. And there was a private adjoining enclosure. And he also drew an image of this that you're looking at right now. One of the other privileges that he had was a black and white television, his only contact into the larger world. So during this time, he taught himself how to draw He wrote many articles and started writing his own autobiography. The reason why he ended up in solitary confinement and with an order of no human contact was because of the vicious crimes that he did. The no human contact punishment was imposed by Norman A. Carlson, who was the Bureau of Prisons director, and he said the following shortly after Thomas Silverstein killed the prison guard. He said, I don't know what else could have been done to prevent further violence by a man who had nothing to lose. What, do you, I mean, he's right, isn't he? I, you put him in the general population, other people's safety is at risk. Not only other inmates, but correction officers. And because of that, they believed that the only way they could keep Silverstein away from other individuals and harming other individuals was by putting him in solitary confinement. Well, in his writing, Thomas Silverstein, whose nickname was Terrible Tommy, one of the things that happened was he gave his opinion on what it was like to be in solitary confinement. And he says the following. He describes solitary confinement as worse than capital punishment. This is what he says. Even though we may not execute people by the masses, as they do in other countries, our government leaders bury people alive for life in cement tombs. It's actually more human to execute someone than it is to torture them year after year after year. 36 years. 36 years. Little to no contact with other human beings. The only stimulus is what he created himself or a black and white TV. In an article he he wrote shortly before his death, Silverstein called solitary confinement, and now quoting from him, a slow, constant peeling of the skin, stripping of the flesh, the nerve-wracking sound of water dripping from a leaky faucet in the still of the night while you're trying to sleep. Drip, drip, drip. The minutes, hours, days, Weeks, months, years, constantly drip away with no end of relief in sight. So, you feel sorry for a terrible Tommy? Is it right, what we did to him? And I say we because you and I, as citizens of this country, we allow this to happen. If we didn't want it to happen, there were steps, and there are steps that individuals and, and uh, organizations are taking to try to get rid of solitary confinement, or at least make it more humane. Once an individual is in solitary confinement, they're going to face mental health challenges. They're going to face physical health challenges. And one of the things that more and more individuals are pointing out is it is an impingement upon those individuals those inmates human rights because it's torture i understand that it's easy to abuse and misuse solitary confinement again there's a lot of reasons why people end up in there there are some individuals who it's a form of punishment punishment by renewal i mean removal for others It's a way of keeping inmates and correction officers safe in the case of Terrible Tommy. But there's also individuals who ask to be placed in solitary confinement. For example, pedophiles. Individuals who own, who owe debt, both either within the prison or outside of the prison and are afraid for their safety because they can't pay the debt back. And then there are those individuals who are suicidal, and the only way they can protect them from themselves is by placing them in solitary confinement. So there's a wide variety of reasons why people end up in there. And I would assume that there are individuals who end up in there as a form of punishment and maybe something they didn't even do wrong. They were accused falsely. And once in there that may be a way of controlling them. Individuals who belong to gangs end up in solitary confinement. So I, in many ways, can understand the harm and damage that, are done, that is done to human beings when they end up in solitary confinement. I, I get that. On the other side of the coin, I, I paused and asked myself, What if my daughter was a correction officer? How would I feel? Every day, unknown if she could be harmed, perhaps even killed. Her safety to me would be a high priority, uppermost in my mind. I also would be concerned about her mental health and again we have shown a connection within correction officers between not only their physical safety but their medical medical uh mental well-being i mean think about it the inmates in solitary confinement they are being hurt the correction officers that are caring for those in solitary confinement they're being damaged and so What if we didn't have solitary confinement and an individual like Terrible Tommy was out in the general population and my daughter was one of the correction officers? Would I want that? Would I want individuals who are known to be violent, individuals who will act out in violent ways and have no problem taking the life of another human being? Would I be comfortable with them in general population and my daughter having to take care of them? And if the answer is no, then why, not, why would I limit it to just my daughter? What about all the men and women who are constantly, day by day, putting themselves on the line to care for individuals, protect individuals that we as a society have placed in there to begin with? Don't we owe them something? Well, what do we care? Why should we care? These are individuals who have done terrible crimes. Plus, out of sight, out of mind. Why can't we just ignore them? Why not treat them like caged animals? Well, because they're one of us. Just like you just like me, they have desires, they have fears, they have concerns. All the emotions that you feel, they feel. And even though they are in prison, they can still benefit those within the prison as well as those outside of the prison. So should we care? Should we just ignore them? Should we allow federal and state prisons to do whatever they want to another human being as long as we don't have to see them, as long as we don't have to think about it? stop and i think about all the different injustices that are in our society right now I mean, anywhere from threats to our freedom of democracy the right to vote right of education public schools immigration issues there's so many social injustices outside of the prisons Should we even care what's taking place inside of the prisons? But yet, Thomas Silverstein, he had a family. He had a wife. He has kids. He will be missed. He is missed. There were other inmates who have benefited from the goals and the actions of Thomas Silverstein while he was in prison. You know, in this podcast, I had an individual tell me one time, they said, Tony, you need to give us more of your opinion. You need to make statements of what you believe. And it would be really easy to do that, to just tell you that solitary confinement is wrong and it needs to be forbidden but this is a complex issue in fact the majority of issues that we face as human beings when we really pull away all the different layers we find very very complex issues but man is so easy so easy to keep it on the surface level break it into black and white it's one or the other but it's not that It's not that way. Life is complex. And so if you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you're looking for answers, you're not gonna find them. Because honestly, I don't have my answers. And if I did, they probably would change very quickly. But if you are looking for a podcast that you can listen to on a regular basis that will challenge you to think challenge you to perhaps enter into dialogue with other individuals, encourage you to mind the ear, then I would ask you to continue to listen. And if this is something that you enjoy, perhaps family or friends would also enjoy it. Share it with them. Like it. Subscribe to it. And by doing so, perhaps you will find a group of individuals that also listen to this, and then you can share ideas that you can enter into conversation with each other. Because we are all in this together. We are all human beings. We all rely on each other, and to a certain degree, we all relied upon Thomas Silverstein, perhaps in even unseen ways because he was one of us. Thank you for listening and whatever you're doing the rest of this day, whatever you're doing the rest of the week or this weekend, stay safe out there and take care.